This is Denzel Mills, and you listen to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by RosterWatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, fresh back home from Mobile, Alabama. I don't know if you call it fresh, but I'm back home. <laughs> I got in super late uh, last night on Thursday night after taking in three days of practices. Uh, if you guys don't know, generally media and scouts that are there you know, for the week of the Senior Bowl... The, the big days are, are Tuesday, starting with the weigh-in, and then the two you know, shorts and shells practices, and then the two full pads practices on Wednesday and Thursday, with the Wednesday practice being a um, sort of like a full field affair, whereas the Thursday practice is more of a red zone and end zone type situation type of deal. So you get to see these players in a lot of situations, and I have a lot of takeaways for you about the skill positions as they pertain to the NFL draft, as they pertain to our fantasy leagues, as they pertain to our dynasty leagues, and uh, just, you know, NFL futures in general. So a bunch to get to, but before we get started, just a quick reminder, if you're listening to this in Apple Podcasts, please just take a quick second, pause the pod, and give us a rating and a review in there. I, I look at the numbers and see how many of you listen, and the fact that we only have like 500 and like what, 540 reviews or something like that's pretty 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 egregious compared to the number of listeners. So you know if if you like these pods, you want us to keep them free and out from behind the paywall throughout the whole draft process as we go to events like the Senior Bowl and the Combine and the Pro Day Tour and the different training facilities of these prospects and then the rookie mini camp tour and and and, and the OTAs training camp tour et cetera et cetera. Before you know it, bam. We're back into fantasy season, and we'll have best ball talk all along the way. We'll probably have some XFL talk here along the way as well to help you with those DFS slates. If you want us to keep the frequency of this content coming the way it is right now, I need more ratings and reviews in Apple Podcasts, period. Otherwise, it's just going behind the paywall. All right, so go give it a rating and a review, and we love you. We're not trying to, you know, we're not, we're not trying to be assholes here. We're trying to help us help you, man. Like we want to get out, give out more pods. But there are people who are managing partners here at Roster Watch who say if we don't get more reviews, we're putting the shit behind a paywall because it needs to be going to our pro members. If if, if we can't get, uh, you know, if 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 we can't get listeners um, who might not be pro members to at least. Um, you know, to at least like give us one ask. It's a simple ask. It takes 30 seconds. All right, I'm done with it. But fucking come on, man. Go, go fucking rate a review. All right. Um, oh, Jesus Christ. Where do you start? Awesome. Just awesome week. Um, as always, it was cool. We got to Byron and I were down there in Mobile with the two of us. We had our four our four eyeballs. We also had our guy Matt Kelly down there with us from Player Profiler. If you don't know him and his podcast, I think you probably do. It's, it's a very popular one, Roto Underworld Radio. But you ought to go check it out. We also had Matt there with us, which was really fun, man. It was it was, it was a treat to have a third set of eyes and just somebody who'd never been there before and a, with a really different perspective on things. So uh, some of this, you know, some of these comments I have on these players will come through the context of conversations I had with those two guys, and you know, from the context of conversations that we had with all kinds of other people. You know, there are different friends who were scouts and, and and agents and trainers and stuff that we've gotten to know. This was our ninth year down in Mobile, and I'll say, man, it was a good year for quarterbacks. Um, there were two that really stood out, and I'm, I'm not going to spend as much time at quarterback because. Mainly, when it comes to the quarterbacks in Mobile at the Senior Bowl, what, what, what we do not want is a, is, is a year like the Logan Thomas, Taj Boyd, fucking Stephen Morris year, right? And, and the reason why is because we don't get to evaluate the wide receivers very well when, with, with, with these kinds of idiots throwing the football. 
You know, it's, it's inconsistent passers. You find yourself consistently looking back it's looking back and just saying, Jesus Christ, that was a good route. He was open. He separated. Who the, who the hell just threw that horrible ball? You know, I, I like it to where when you can watch these wide receivers and the one-on-ones versus the best senior cornerbacks in the country, right, you don't have to look back and say, golly, why couldn't that guy get him the football? You, you, you want to see somebody who can, who can, who can deliver it. And um, Justin Herbert – at least in live action, was probably the best quarterback that we saw there. He's a he's a really big kid. Now, let me pull up the let me pull up the measurements just so I can I can give you some context. So uh, Justin Herbert of Oregon, he's six foot six and one eighth of an inch, two hundred twenty seven pounds. He with a ten inch hand, thirty three and three eighths inch arms. So bit like six foot six with long like big big fulcrum. Or is that a fulcrum? I forgot. Well, whatever it is, like the lever, <laughs> I told like it, it, that he can juice that thing up and get it going, man. But he does it with some touch. It's a big like he's one of these guys that you look at and you say, man, he has he has he has all the tools in the world. Whenever you see him throwing uh, to these wide receivers and these one on one drills, when you see him throwing against air, he has excellent touch. He puts it in all the right spots. He you know great accuracy, great placement, great touch. Uh, his, his, it's not like a Drew Locke or to some degree this year like a Jordan Love was where the feet don't look like they're attached to the arm and the drop back and then the delivery. Uh, it, it really looks like a smooth prospect. And, you know, he's going to have haters, haters out there for sure. If you're a listener to the podcast just during the DFS season, like you know, we had my buddy Siege on here a couple weeks ago to break down the – I think that was the wild card slate. And he even went off on a tangent about how bad Herbert sucks there – um, we made a friend there at the Senior Bowl, this dude Cameron, shout out to him, um, who's just a huge Oregon fan. He said, he was like, man, just watch him, um, you know, watch him when he goes to team here and just watch him when he gets under pressure. There, there, were, some, there were a couple pretty good edge rushers here uh, in, this, in this game. And you do notice when he's under a little bit of pressure, he's not, he's not quite the smooth operator that he is when he's kicking back there dropping back with no pressure, nothing to worry about, no internal clock in his head, waiting to, you know, not necessarily waiting for these guys to get open because oftentimes he would throw them open in those situations. But just a little bit of a different kind of guy whenever there was pressure, whenever there was the internal clock, and whenever he had to operate outside of structure. And, you know, that's just that. that's something where, you know, he was coached by the Cincinnati Bengals offensive staff. I, I don't think he necessarily – I, there's no way Justin Herbert did enough during this week to get them off of Joe Burrow with the number one pick, which probably would have been his ultimate goal, right, coming into it. But, I, it's just, I, dude, if Daniel Jones was a top six pick, it's it makes it's. I mean, we watched we fuck we we watched Daniel Jones the very whole week at his Senior Bowl. Was that already was that last year? Or was that the year before? I'm I, I getting mixed up. This, this was our ninth one. But you know, if Daniel Jones, you know. We saw Josh Allen here at the Senior Bowl. And it, Justin Herbert feels like it's, he's, not the same kind, he's not the same kind of prospect as those guys. Both, both Daniel Jones and Josh Allen, you know, they, they had this, this one aspect of their game that sort of buoyed them a little bit to where you always knew when you draft them, you're like, well, it, it, even if the, you know, the arm strengths, like they checked tons of boxes. And one of the boxes that they also checked was, you know, even if the, you know, even if say like take Josh Allen, for example, if, if the accuracy is not there, you know, at least he's got this sort of sneaky rushing ability. And that's something that we've seen at the NFL level. We haven't really seen it out of Daniel Jones. I think at some point we will, because he's an excellent athlete as well. I'm not sure that Justin Herbert's a guy that's going to break the pocket and be able to make plays the same kind of way those guys are from an ancillary perspective, production-wise. But boy, I mean, just in in uh, yeah, just in drills, one-on-ones, in those controlled settings, he's like he's he's a better passer of the football. Now, if he can put it all together as far as when things go live, when he's in games. That's yet to be seen, but he's a good prospect. We, we, had, we, we, had, we, we had good quarterbacks here. I mentioned Jordan Love out of Utah State. He got busted right before the Utah State Bowl game for weed, and he also um, he failed to live up to a bunch of hype that he had coming into his, um, coming into his senior season at Utah State. 
He's another guy. You know, he's a he's a big, good-looking guy. There's an NFL scout that we watched the Thursday practice with, who told us that he reminds him a ton of um, of Josh Freeman, and I I kind of like that that comp. He, he's six foot three and five eighths, two hundred and twenty three pounds, huge, ten and five eighths inch, like pizza ten hands, and. Uh, a little bit more freewheeling with the football, a little bit more fast and loose with it in, in team drills, a little bit quicker with the reads and the progressions, and uh, somebody that doesn't look quite as technical as, uh, as, as Herbert, but maybe somebody who's a little bit, um, uh, I don't know, just more carefree. I, I, here's the thing. He, he, he puts more balls into kind of – precarious situations he definitely lets his guy I mean he had, he had the wide receivers on this team on the north squad that were the really the really big monsters who we're going to talk about like the big tall guys the, the the go up and get it types of guys the Michael Pittman juniors the Denzel Mims the Antonio uh, Gandy Goldmans the Chase Claypools etc those are guys who you can trust to go up and get it whereas you know on the south team Justin Herbert had the you know the only real two big dudes on that team. Well, I guess they're Ju- Juwan Jennings from Tennessee was Colin Johnson from Texas and Tyree Cleveland to some degree you can kind of consider like that. But it, it just when you get your eyeballs on them and you just look at them, it's like the 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 North group of wide receivers had more of these kind of go up and get it, trust your contested catch guy to go get the football, and maybe that had some effect on what we saw out of Jordan Love. I liked Byron's um I liked Byron's comp of Drew Locke. You know, I came out of this week uh, maybe liking Jordan Love a little more than Drew Locke, but I I see what he means because I, I think that you know, Drew Locke shit. I mean, Drew Locke looked kind of good this year as a as a as a rookie. I'm not sure I think but I'm not sure I think Jordan Love will, but I didn't think Drew Locke would. <laughs> so I mean, I'm I'm not sure how much my opinion really counts there as far as as far as that. I will say I think my vote for our all senior bowl quarterback is going to be Justin Herbert. Um as far as the other guys, not really much to say. Uh Steven Montez out of Colorado, he had a great day one but then fell off a cliff. Jalen Hurts was outshined by Justin Herbert. Jalen Hurts of course of Oklahoma and Alabama fame and Jesus Christ, man, this, this event is down there in Mobile, Alabama, where just a bunch of Alabama fans all around. And anytime these Alabama players are here, they're treated like royalty. They got cops walking them off the field and stuff and keep them away from all these autograph hounds and dirt balls. Um, but Jalen was smaller than I thought, man. I mean, here's the deal. Jalen hurts. I've seen him going back to his days at Channel View High School. When Coach Hurts would bring him up here to Austin to come to like Charlie Strong's satellite camps, whenever he was, um, I, isn't that crazy that the 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 Texas did not offer Jalen Hurts at a point in time when they just needed all the quarterbacks that they, uh, but, you know. So anyway, you know the story. He goes on to Alabama, does actually really well there from a statistical standpoint. Gets cucked at the end by Tua. Uh, transfers, uh, uh, but I believe I believe he was able to grad transfer out to go to Oklahoma, and then was a Heisman runner-up at o- Oklahoma under under Lincoln Riley. Um, and when you watch him, I was like, man, I think Jalen's kind of grown up a little bit because his running style at Oklahoma reminded you a lot more of like the running style of the Texas quarterback Sam Ellinger, or you know, like a Josh Allen, or like a Tim Tebow, or you know, one of these guys that's not necessarily going to kill you with the Mike Vick kind of Lamar Jackson or what we kind of have seen flashes of Kyler Murray or Russell Wilson, not that same kind of elusiveness and speed and just straight danger to the game, but more of a Mack truck kind of, you know, like, look, well, I'm, 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 I'm going to run this bitch on quarterback power. I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to follow my pulling guard. And if I can get to the second or third level, I, I can, I, I can lower my shoulder and I can run over some dude. Um, and, you know, he, he's Jalen Hurts is only six foot one, two eighteen. So I don't know how much of that part of his game is going to translate at the next level. I will say, to his credit, he got better and better throughout the course of the week. He looked terrible day one, looked much more comfortable day two, 
And then in, in, in day three, you know, with the uh, end zone stuff and, and the red zone stuff, I think that that's where he was actually looking his best. So kudos to him for, you know, overcoming a really, really bad start. We're just like, he was aiming that thing. He, he, was, he, he was just working too hard to, to, to start the week. And so, I, I, you know, if we're going to rank him, I think for me, and I, I, think, I think for everybody, it, I, I, th- I, 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 I think it's bad if you don't have it Justin Herbert, Jordan Love, Jalen Hurts, JJJ. Um, Shea Patterson sucks from Michigan, and the kid Anthony Gordon from Washington State had a little bit of hype as the kind of the new Gardner Minshew. I didn't see it. So uh, that's the quarterbacks. I think the wide receivers are what's going to take us the longest, so why not talk about the running backs next, maybe a quick bit on the tight ends, and then we'll jump into the wide receivers because it's a really interesting group. Uh, and and there's, an, there's an interesting group of uh, people in this world who still don't know that uh, not, not shaving your balls is, is disgusting because here's, 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 here's the thing. At, at manscaped.com, you can go to rosterwatch.com and use, or you can go to manscaped.com and use promo code rosterwatch. And when you do, here's the thing. There's the new lawnmower version 3.0. I just got mine in the mail today. I have uh, already used it. Whenever I got it in the mail, I said, you know what? It's, t- it's, it's, it's time for a trim. I just got back from the senior bowl, got my first nice shower. I'm feeling good. I'm going to get trimmed up, going to get some ball toner on there, going to get some of this, uh, some of this uh, crop reviver on there. I'm going to get this thing trimmed up. I used like the one or the two guard sort of on the, on the top part there for the top card, c- curtains. And then underneath, when, it, when you're actually shaving your balls, you can just do that with a, without any guard. It really it, it makes your balls feel smooth. As a baby, the new trimmer was just released. It was literally, I mean, only moments ago that I got mine. Uh, we're the first kid to confirm the new and confirm uh, the Lawnmower 3.0 Manscaping Trimmer is now available for purchase. This third-generation Manscaped Trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscapes. New technology. Uh, it's, it's the advanced skin-safe technology. You can trust your balls with this stuff. You can, guys, you can't use the same shaver on your face that you do on your balls. I think it's unsanitary. If there were a woman that found out that you were doing that, she would not want to date you or she wouldn't want to kiss you because she would say that, you, that your face smells like a sweaty sack of nuts. Um, you know, I've, 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 I've been talking about Manscaped for a while now. Manscaped, it's like, they do it to where it's almost like I feel a personal connection to this brand because of the way it's transformed how I feel when I'm just walking around, when I'm at the gym working out, when I get out of the, when, like, when I get out of the steam room in the shower, I can just put, like, like I said, put on some of that crop pr- pr- preserver, put on some of the ball toner. You come out of there feeling like your balls are glowing. It just gives you this, this attitude, man. I mean, can't you just feel it coming through the mic? I, I love manscaped.com. And, you know, if you previously used the Lawnmower 2.0, it's an easy transition because it's the, it's the same replacement blade. It has the same new and improved skin safe, safe technology. And when I tell you this is premium, I mean, this is premium. This battery is going to last up to 90 minutes. So you can, you can take a longer shave. Again, not on the same, not with the same uh, razor you use on your face. This is a this is a razor and a shaver and it's small. It's like the size of your hand, so like it's easy to put in a it's easy to put in your backpack, your gym bag. Uh, it's, it's easy to take with you on long travel trips. If you're somebody that has to do this often, for me, it's like it's it's like an every two to three week deal. Your wife's gonna love it. Your girlfriend's gonna love it. One of the newest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas. So you can, I mean, you got to illuminate some of these dark creases and crevices down there on your that nasty, fucking, disgusting grundle of yours. That the, the the taint between the back of your balls and your and, and your exit hole. Um, so they've upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. So, uh, show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a rapid charging dock 
powered by USB. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code rosterwatched at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code rosterwatch. That's right. Manscaped is offering rosterwatch listeners 20% off and free shipping. To get yours, go to manscaped.com and use promo code rosterwatch. Again, go to manscaped.com and use promo code rosterwatch to get 20% off and free shipping. One more time and we're going to get to the fucking running backs, I swear. That's manscaped.com and use promo code rosterwatch. All right, so whenever we look at the running backs, uh, I, I th- whenever you start with it, I th- well, look, there are two guys that you need to start with. One of them is Joshua Kelly from UCLA. He's five foot ten and five eight inches. He's 214 pounds, nine and a quarter inch hands. Uh, he'll only turn 22 towards the end of towards the end of his 2020 season, which is nice. Yeah, one, of the, one of the decently productive players that we had here in Mobile, he had a 47% market share of team rushes, uh, only 11 catches last year for a 4% market share, hundred and I'm sorry, 1,131 total yards for a 23% market share of total yards and 13 total touchdowns for a 33% uh, market share there at UCLA. What you can say about Josh Kelly, quick feet, quick feet, quick feet. Um, great through the hole, but really just the feet of a scat back on a 214-pound man. And with the vision that he has and just the ability to uh, just sort of um, sort of run with the stretch play, find his zone, and, and cut up into it and sort of wiggle into space because he, just, he really just has those feet that you love so much. Uh, Josh Kelly was the real standout as far as a tradition. If we're talking about guys who are sort of traditional running backs, and look, man, these are these are guys that we're going to need because whenever we look at the landscape of the fantasy running back position, uh, which with for dynasty, all right. So we have Travis Etienne going back to school. We have oh shit. I mean, who else? Like a bunch of Chuba Hubbard's going back to school. Najee Harris is going back to school. So what was looking like it was going to be like seven running backs at the very top. We're going to have, what, four or five? That I, Maybe if you count Clyde Edwards-Hilaire sort of up there out of LSU. I, 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 think, I think he declared. Um, but re- regardless, it, it's, this is going to be a deal in Dynasty where it looked like we were, we were going to feel safe with everything going to pick you know nine, pick ten. It went until the turn where we were going to start feeling a little bit squirrely about maybe having to go with a, a – you know, uh, sort of a second tierish wide, you know, some some uh, wide receiver that was maybe not your top guy, like a Jerry Judy, or like we have a lot of time to talk about all this. The fact is, we need guys like Joshua Kelly, and if Joshua Kelly tests well, he's going to be a first round dynasty pick. He's good. He looked great. I mean, he he, he reminds you a little bit of like I I've seen Kareem Hunt at the Senior Bowl. He 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 reminds me a little bit of Kareem Hunt. Um, Antonio Gibson from Memphis is, is an interesting one because he's fucking sick, guys. And you need to keep him on your radar. I, it, like if you're in, I don't know if you're in any dynasty leagues right now where you already have a free agent pool of Debbie players open to you. I don't play in any league like that. We shut down our, our, our Debbie pools after the, um, after, after uh, you know, 10 or 15 players are, are, are taken in, in the rookie draft. But if you have a Debbie pool open to you right now that happens before your rookie draft, or if you've already had your rookie draft and there's a rookie pool open to you right now, has my fantasy league even opened back, even started the new year? I don't, whenever, whenever you're available, if you, if you can go scoop up somebody who's, if you've already had rookie drafts super early, Antonio Gibson wasn't taken out of Memphis. He's six feet tall, one half inch, 223 pounds. And he had the best first level burst and acceleration of any player there. He's an absolute dynamo. Um, what happened was Keyshawn Vaughn, who was actually looking really good, uh, sort of like Joshua Kelly and Keyshawn Vaughn uh, out of Vanderbilt were sort of looking like they were mirror images of one another on the two, uh, the two different squads. I actually believe they both wore number two. Um, with Joshua Kelly kind of being the one that was a little bit better, just his, I'm telling you guys, Joshua Kelly's feet are dazzling, and he goes by Joshua. By the way, it it it, it isn't Josh Kelly, which is he corrects people and says that you know he he reminds him it's it's, it's Joshua. When's the last guy you've heard of that with? 
But anyway, so but, um, Keyshawn Vaughn got hurt on day one, is what, is what I was trying to say, which left the North or left the South squad a little bit thin at the running back position. And Antonio Gibson was a guy then who immediately had to step in and take a whole bunch of extra reps there for the for the South squad because all that was really left was him and uh, Eno Benjamin and LaMichael Pirine. And we'll talk about those guys, but first I, 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 we, we need to talk about Antonio Gibson because, guys, Antonio Gibson's sick, and we, just, we need to keep our eyes on him. This is how we keep our edge. This is why we're roster watch. This is why we do the work that we do. Now, Antonio Gibson could go to a spot where he's wasted away and he's not utilized and we're just going to need to stash him, you know, on our, on our taxi squads or see what happens. But if he, if he goes to a place that knows how to use a guy like this, when we first saw him, we said, oh, wow, he's flashing like Jalen Samuels did. Um, this is a guy at Memphis who was used in the same way that Tony Pollard was. And what I mean by that was he's under he was underused as a running back. If you look at the... If you look at what he was able to do from just a production standpoint, his production was goddamn awful uh, outside of the touchdowns because he he had, he had thirty three he he played in thirteen games last year he he only had thirty three rushes for a six percent market share he did have thirty eight catches for for a fourteen percent market share which was the second highest market share of receptions that a player had that was uh, that was there at the Senior Bowl, but. 33 rushes, 38 receptions, 1,104 yards, 12 touchdowns. So it goes to show you when the ball is in his hands, he's an absolute dynamo. And I don't feel like he's been unlocked and he's not a Tony Pollard. He's not a... He's not a Jalen Samuels. As we went through the week more and more, we began to realize this kid's got some like some Joe Mixon or something to him. A really good catch for the football out of the backfield, but a guy with this patience and then this then, then this burst into first gear that's really unlike anybody there. And re- I mean, it's it's hard for me to remember a, a more a more dazzling uh, first few steps as he dashes into open space. And now, as far as his top end, I I, I don't know. I'm not sure what sort of forty he's going to run, but I just I I know functionally he can get to the second level and pass the second level before you blink a goddamn eye, and the vision, the patience, everything else. I, only 33 rushes last year. I get it. He was used as an, he was using an ancillary role, but he is big. He has a perfect running back body. He's he's you know six. He's right at six feet tall, 223 pounds, and he's just quick, 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 and he can catch. Antonio Gibson. You heard it here first. You de- I mean you you heard it here first. Um, Eno Benjamin, we mentioned him. He like he, here's the deal with Eno, and that's another guy I've been watching ever since he was. I, mean, I feel like I've been watching him since he was in like ninth grade because he was a. I mean, that guy was worked like a rented mule even back in high school up there, at Wiley, um, Dallas area high school. The volume that he got and the, just the, what he was able to do as a high schooler. Just, I mean, go go type in Eno Benjamin high school highlights, and you could see. You know, just the, the the pure volume and the highlight reel stuff he was able to put on tape. Ended up going out to Arizona State, where again, just a, a, a volume hog in his final season. Uh, you know, and he was a he was a he was a junior, but a redshirt junior, but had graduated. Two hundred and fifty three uh, rushing yard or two hundred fifty three attempts for fifty seven percent market share, forty two receptions. So as far as from a not only the counting perspective but also from just a, a market share perspective the best reception profile out of the backfield of any runner at the senior bowl of 1430 total yards and 12 touchdowns this basically the second best production profile at the senior bowl from a market share perspective behind Keyshawn Vaughn but here's the deal with Eno Benjamin he's he's not going to test well because he doesn't have it, with, with 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 Eno it's so weird it's like He's a ball player who is not going to test well because he's like a he's like a pinball machine. You look at him and he doesn't win with quickness and, and burst as much as he wins with just contact balance and shed ability through his hips and the ability to 
the just the, the the ability to 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 take these hits and careen off with them and with you know creativity to somehow somehow get up field. I mean, he's his highlights are some of the most fun highlights to watch, and that's been the case going back to him in high high school. It was like Eno was always so fun to watch, but he's not a 195 pound scat back. That 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 is not his game. I I asked him. Uh, off podium, I said, Eno, man, what, like, what's up with this 195? You know, is, is that what you want to play at? He's like, no, I wanted to slim down a little bit so I could run better. But ultimately, I, I'd like, I, I, you know, my playing weight's more like 206, 207. And I get it, but I feel like it was a hindrance to him this week because his style is not the, he's just, he's, he's not a 195 pounder. I will say that some of the people who, uh, who watch like the the running back linebacker drills? Which I don't ever. I mean, I I don't ever. I I rarely find myself watching those because they're oftentimes going on at the same time as the wide receiver cornerback drills, and there's no way I'm going to miss those. But people were saying that you know Eno was really getting his nose in there as a blocker. So uh, look, teams are going to teams are going to say you know, he can pass he can pass protect. He's he's smart. He's physical with it. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's this he's this creative runner that's just so entertaining and, and fun. A lot of tread on the tires, but 195? Like, does anything that I've laid out here as far as a prospect profile make sense for a 195-pound man in the NFL? Uh, he needs to put on weight. And... Good for him for wanting to test well. I, I, I still don't think he's going to test extremely well. But if he does, good, great great for him. I, I've probably underestimated Eno Benjamin too much in my life already anyway, so I'm, I'm not going to do it anymore. I didn't think that his high school running style, it was the volume that he had, I, just, I didn't think he was going to hold up the college level running the same way, and, and, and he did. So, look, I'm, I don't want to doubt Eno. But he needs to... Uh, it's just, it isn't doubting him to say it's it's the fact of the matter. I mean, he he needs to put on ten or fifteen pounds if he's going to be any sort. And you know what? If he puts on ten or fifteen pounds, that's he get, if he gets up to two hundred eight, that's like Devontae Freeman, Trey Mason size. That's perfect. He, he that's kind of like that's a good that's a good comp for Eno. I'm actually going to write that down. I'm gonna, that's my comp, like a like a Devontae Freeman, Trey Mason. I'm just adding it right in my goddamn spreadsheet right now. I'm a multitasking multitasking fool here the other guys I mean I, I don't have much to say about um about Jermichael Hasty out of Baylor except for the fact he was you know really good with the football in his hands he will turn 23 pretty early uh here in the, I mean he'll turn 23 in week two of the 2020 season a uh, five foot eight 203 though um and he you know for these these the, the running backs on the uh the running backs on the South was he South squad? Uh, no, the I'm sorry, the North squad running backs all had bigger hands than than, than these South squad guys. But yeah, Jamichael Hasty. One of the things that you like, the thing you like most about him is his ability to catch the football. Uh, they actually lined him up in the slot and stuff like that. Had him run some routes, some hitches, two way goes, and he can he can catch it. And he's 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 got some big hands for a um, for a. Um, for a running back, sort of the same thing. Another guy sort of out of the Big 12 that uh, Darius Anderson, who was sort of like the lightning and a thunder-lightning combo of him and Shewo Alonalua. Shewo Alonalua, if you've never watched him, he looks like a defensive end playing running back. Um, Darius Anderson, sort of the, um, you know, I wouldn't, you know, he's not like a, not a tiny little complimentary piece because you know he's 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 five foot ten and a half, one ninety five. I mean he weighs as much as Eno Benjamin weighed at this thing. But again, you know Eno Benjamin was too damn small. Um, but you know a good a good complimentary piece at twenty two receptions last year. Uh, but I would say probably if somebody impressed me more, um, it would have been Darius. Anderson in second place behind Jamichael Hasty with and I, I I haven't mentioned Lamichael Pirine out of Florida yet uh, five foot ten uh, and three five foot ten and what three quarters yeah and two hundred eleven pounds he's I kind of put Pirine and Anderson in the same bucket and I think I might like Hasty a little bit better than all those guys 
But for me, you know, it's just Joshua Kelly and Antonio Gibson at the top. Then I kind of have the Keyshawn Vaughns come into consideration. Eno Benjamin, once he puts the weight back on, it was it's just it's hard, like that was a big knock on him in this uh, in in this in this week as as far as I'm concerned. One ninety five is is not a weight that Eno Benjamin's it, like it's it's not going to be sustainable. He looked too skinny this week. He he didn't look like himself, and his and his legs looked too much like chicken legs. And it, it, I mean, if you're gonna run like Eno, ben, like just turn on the highlights. If you're gonna run like Eno Benjamin, you can't have chicken legs in the NFL. It's just, I mean, it just, it is, it is what it is. His legs are probably skinnier than Daryl Henderson's. He looks like he is like so. All right, um, the wide receivers. So, for, all right, first off, uh, Brian Edwards of South Carolina and Brandon Ayuk of Arizona State, neither, so Brian Edwards pulled out, and he probably pulled out because I think he probably would have been the best one there, I've done work on, let's see, I've done work, I've done official, like, you know, film work, proper evaluations up on rosterwatch.com that Trashman and I both collaborate on this year, um, for seven of these guys, and Brian Edwards is number one of the players that I've watched so far. Now, Denzel Mims after this week is, is making a push, and so is Michael Pittman Jr. from USC. We'll talk about them in a minute. I haven't watched Brandon Ayuk, but I will say this. Senior Bowl, Brandon, Brandon Ayuk is from um, Arizona State. He's a right. He's like, I, I stood next to him. He's listed as 6'1". I think he's probably more like six foot five eights and probably about 205 pounds. Um... Jim Nagy, the senior bowl director, said at his opening press conference that every single scouting department that he spoke to has a higher grade on Brandon Ayuk this year out of Arizona State than they had on Nikhil Harry last year out of Arizona State. And obviously we know what the con- what the uh, connotation. What is, what the fuck what is it? So the connotation maybe? What the connotation there is? Is that what it is when you read between the lines? You, you get, like you're, you're reading the connotation? I think it is. If it's not, you can tweet at me at, at, at Roster Watch. Say, Alex, that's not what a connotation means. You're talking about a con- con- conglomeration, a confederation, a confiscation. Anyway, what the, con- conflag- what the conflagration here is. <laughs> Is it Brandon Ayuk could go in the first round? So I don't know. Like I, I need to watch him clearly. Regardless, we didn't get Brandon Ayuk. We did not get Brian Edwards. I should say Brian Edwards is pro- more of a kind of a more of a sort of. I mean, Trashman says he's a Demarius Thomas. I think he's more of like a juiced up Reuben Randall, awesome with the ball in his hand. Like he, I mean, he looks a lot like Debo Samuel, except he's just he's like big. So it's and I th- and I think he's gonna you know, I think. I think based on just his numbers from the opening back in high school, he's probably going to run like a four-four-seven at the combine. He's only twenty-one. He's only going to be twenty-one years old until uh, until what? I mean, only twenty-one years old until November of, the, of, the, of this year. So uh, certainly a guy who no, he'll be he'll be he'll, he'll be he'll be turning twenty. He'll be twenty-one until November of this year, and then he'll turn twenty-two. Um. But they weren't there. And so of the players who were there, let's just start at the top. I think that there are two guys at the very top that it, it's, you're, it's, it's really, really, really bad if, if you don't have at least Denzel Mims as one of them. Uh, did he have a Debo Samuel 2019 week? I'm not sure. And I don't... I don't they're just... Man, it was impressive. It was... Oh. It wasn't a Cooper Cup week, but it was a it was close. It was close to a Debo week. Maybe it was more like a Terry McLaurin week. Maybe that's kind of what it was. And, and look, he's not a player that's anything like Terry McLaurin. Denzel Mims, our comp for him is like a Devonte Parker. He, he's six foot. He's six foot two and three quarter inches, two hundred and six pounds. It's the arm on him, uh, the, the longest arms of, of any of these guys, and that's including Chase Claypool, who we'll talk about out of Notre Dame. Um, he, has, he has 34 and one quarter inch 
arms, uh, nine and a quarter inch hands. I, I project him to run probably about a four five or a four five two. And Denzel Mims can catch the moon, man. He is um, just a, a guy who just the the issue we had coming in was he is a, a, a little bit high in his in his breaks and in his cuts he doesn't really dig into them he needs to he needs to he needs to um he needs to finish right and he needs to uh, he's in for a guy who's like more explosive than than fast, I mean he's a he's a former sprinter. He's an ex quarterback actually, um, so he, he's a he's he's a guy who understands how everything works within a route tree and how things work with the timing and 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 how the quarterback's feet are connected to his feet. Um, yeah, he played all kinds. Of, he played all kinds of sports. He, he's a he's a really really athletic guy with really really long arms. Uh, he, he can go up and snatch it. He can catch it falling away on the sidelines. He has the best body control of anybody at the senior bowl, the best tracking ability of anybody at the senior bowl, uh, the best ability to toe tap of anybody at the senior bowl. Um, I, I, on the film, I, I, I had some issues with his hands. I didn't have a single issue with his hands during the week of senior bowl, but we do have to remember that uh, Pro Football Focus has him graded as having dropped 11 of 66 catchable targets just in uh, in in the year um, 2018. Now that was improved in 2019. So I, I think he's a guy who's just he's getting better and better. And I, I think for a guy that's as long as him and as gangly as him, sometimes the coordination just comes right. And and so I have I have trouble believing that the coordination within the body control and everything is is it's so good on the sidelines that we saw contested catch after contested catch that. You know that the hand-eye coordination and the the ability to catch the football hasn't also improved. And if you were at the Senior Bowl, you you would have no idea that he did have some dropsies back in the 2018 season. So he he dominated. I mean, I just I don't like in the in the red zone drills, in the uh, you know in the in the on the posts on the fades, the curls, the comebacks. Um, he isn't necessarily a guy who is super polished as far as his as as far as his route tree, but he just he has a he has a ton of athletic prowess. And what Trashman was said he was worried about is maybe he maybe he relies a little bit too much on it, like in like an Equinemius St. Brown. But he look he's not an Equinemius St. Brown, um, even though the body types are similar. This guy is you know just he's 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 more aggressive at, at the point of catch. He's 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 a really he's really good at like it as 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 a run blocker in in the run game. Um, it just you know it, it's it's a it and then as far as his you know just the massive team receiving share twenty four percent team receptions twenty nine percent team receiving yards fifty percent team receiving touchdowns in twenty nineteen so high ceiling there is awesome um, Denzel Mims truly is working his way into a guy that we're probably going to be wanting to be considering, uh, you know, he needs to run well. He needs to run well, right? I think anything sub four, five, five, and we're talking about a guy who we're going to be taking in, in, you know, in our typical 12 team dynasty leagues, a guy we'll probably be taking in the beginning of the second round, probably uh, even with as deep as everything is, I mean, like, I, mean, I think it's, it's, we're going to be interested for sure. Michael Pittman Jr. out of USC, uh, six foot three and seven eighths, two hundred nineteen pounds, nine and eighth inch hands, a, a big uh, seventy eight and a half inch wingspan. So actually, a be, a, a bigger wings, a slightly quarter inch bigger wingspan than even Denzel Mims, and he's a, he's a similar kind of wide receiver. I'd say probably as we're putting our all senior bowl team together. Yeah, as we're putting our all-senior bowl team together, Denzel Mims, Michael Pittman Jr. will be the first two players on there. And he's the son of Michael Pittman, um, the ex-running back, which is funny because he looks nothing like Michael Pittman from a body, you know, just from the, his, his body. Like, this, th- this guy's long and tubular and kind of wiry and lean. 
a, a great a great wide receiver body. But if you remember Michael Pittman, dude, that's like a that that that, that guy was a rocked up fucking ball of hate. <laughs> yeah, like he was just that's a different looking dude. Like um, you can look at some of his bodybuilding pictures and stuff, but you could tell, man, you hear Michael Pittman talking after practice, you go on YouTube and watch the these yeah, like he's a YouTube vlog with his girlfriend where like they're always working out and he's always trying to, you know, he's flexing his muscles and doing all kinds of stuff. He he at the senior bowl and off film, you can see he tracks the ball really well. He has an elite catch radius. He has elite hands. He, uh, you, know, you look at his PFF drop numbers. Um, he only dropped three balls on 144 catchable passes in his entire college career. So, like, he's big, tall, powerful, has a lot of leaping ability. He can high point the football. Um, now, I'm, I don't know about the top end speed. I think he's more of like a four or five. I think Denzel Mims is going to run faster. I think Michael Pittman might be more like a four or five, five, four, five, six kind of guy. And we'll see. I could be wrong about this. And all this stuff is, is up for, we continue monitoring this stuff all through the whole entire off season. Right. But uh, like, it, I it's just, he wasn't necessarily as great at creating separation, um, uh, in in ways that didn't use his his length and his contested catchability and just his, his sort of bullying style, it just that's not how it went for him. But you know, a great market share numbers: twenty eight percent team receptions, twenty nine percent team receiving yards, thirty one percent team receiving touchdowns. And during the week of senior world practices, he he like he uh, he was he was another guy. It wasn't just the deep stuff and the contested stuff. Like he could get open on digs and slants and curls and like. You can box guys out on those kind of routes, too. You can box them out and frame that thing to where they can get it in there to you, and you can create space in that. Um, he was even sometimes having to catch passes from dirt balls like Shea Patterson. Uh, he's, uh, he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a good player. I think his, his, routes, are a little bit, his routes are a little bit smoother than, than Mims. He, he, he rides horses. So he's got, these, he's got these kind of loose hips of a guy that rides a horse, you know, he actually said one day he wants to get into tie-down roping, which I thought was fucking awesome, man. Um, two days in Mobile was all he needed to go bananas. And just then, just kind of, I think he probably faked some sort of tendonitis. Like, he's like, man, I've, I've kind of done enough here. So we won't see him in the game. Just a, a really good, he has a sky-high ceiling. He's good. He's, uh, he's probably better as a run blocker on tape than he looked at the at, during, during, during the Senior Bowl week. But... Probably a guy that's going to go in the top 75 picks, I, I would guess. Um, if he tests well, like top, if he tests extremely well, maybe top 50, 60 to 75 picks. So uh, I, I expect he's going to come in with a little bit of draft capital, probably one of the higher drafted, um, and probably coming into this week, one of the most, probably the highest touted wide receiver they're in, they're in Mobile. So Denzel Mims, Michael Pittman, probably the two guys at the very top. Um, the next guy, as we go through, and probably a couple guys we, you would have to consider to be in the sort of top three we're going to have for our all-senior bowl team. I think it's probably going to be K.J. Hill out of Ohio State, 6 feet, 192 pounds. Um, I tweeted it from the senior bowl, death, taxes, and K.J. Hill's open. He is just open, 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 open. He was voted as the most valuable uh, player by the opposing DBs that he had to go against in practice all week, and it's because they can't fucking guard him. You, you can't guard him. He, he had a better production profile last year than Terry McLaurin at Ohio State, and his production profile looks pretty shitty compared to these other guys. 21% market share receptions, 17% market share receiving yards, 21% market share receiving touchdowns, but... You got to, like, you know, um, you know, Matt Kelly, our friend we were just talking about, um, he's got the Sonic Truth pod with Nate Liss, who's creating the breakout finder that Matt Kelly was telling us about in the Senior Bowl. And he was saying, I guarantee you, man, when we get that breakout finder up and running for KJ Hill, he's going to have a very high teammate score, which means they take into account the level of teammates. And... That's, I mean, 
And it makes sense. Look at McLaurin from last year. You need a fucking like like if you're gonna make that if you're gonna make that kind of model, a teammate score that like that's 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 brilliant shit. Shit. It's like you have to take that in, into consideration, man. This is Ohio State. And so sometimes these guys aren't going to produce as much from the pure counting stats or even for even from market share stats. And they get here and holy shit, nobody can guard this motherfucker. And God damn it. You got a prospect on your hands. And that's how KJ Hill is. The other guy who's sort of like that as far as bad, um, bad production in college. And this is a little bit different than KJ Hill because KJ Hill will be turning 23 uh, in week three of the 2020 season. Um, we have a guy who's even older, Van Jefferson, who, oh no, I'm shit, I'm sorry. K.J. Hill's even old. K.J. Hill will be 24 in week three of the, uh, he'll come into his, he'll, he'll come into his NFL career at age 23, but by week like two, what, 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 when does this thing start? Like what, September 7th? By week two, September 15th, 1996 is his birthday. He'll be 23 for a week. In the NFL, then he turns 24. Van Jefferson from Florida, six foot one and a half, 197 pounds. Um, he'll be 24 in July. Oh, but oh boy, can this guy move and get open? These are the two guys that get open: Van Jefferson and KJ Hill. I think that KJ Hill has a little bit more dynamism to his game. I think Van Jefferson is one of these guys. He's even though he's just 197. I think he's going to probably run about as fast as Michael Pittman Jr. I think they're probably about this. I think they're both mid four or five ish guys. Um, and just bad, bad production out of Van Jefferson at the University of Florida with not necessarily the same teammates around there to, to, to hurt him, but definitely bad quarterback play. Um, but yeah, the, basically the worst production profile of any wide receiver that was there in Mobile. But the scouts love him. And you're going to hear guys on the NFL Network like D- Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks and people like that talk about him like he had one of the best weeks there and say that he's a possession receiver that probably reminds him of Cooper Cup. And, stole- and he did not have a Cooper Cup week. But Van Jefferson was heavily involved. And all the quarterbacks loved him because he was always very open uh, very sort of like it's just a, a really trustworthy weapon in the receiving game. And, and when, you, when, you, when you watch his film, he, he really is. He's, he, he's an impeccable route runner that has um, – he has NFL pedigree himself. A fairly good catch radius for a, a guy his size, only 6'1 and a quarter. I mean, he has, I mean what, 32 and an eighth inch arms? Pretty good catch radius for a guy his size. Uh, his dad, Sean Jefferson, was a longtime NFL receiver. He's, he's the current wide receivers coach for the New York Jets. Like, he's a coach's son, an NFL player's son. You can tell why he's, he's good at running these routes and having this elite ability to get off the line of scrimmage, to stem at the line of scrimmage with incredible feet and just get, like, just the... Uh, he, can, he, can, he, he can shake you, dude. And um, just... Uh, he does it versus elite competition. He did it at the Senior Bowl. He did it in college. Uh, if, if you look at the guys, you, uh, you know, Derek Stingley from LSU, right? Um, PFF named him Freshman of the Year in college football for 2019. He, he's, a, he's a shutdown freshman cornerback that was a huge part of their national championship. Jefferson was one of only three players that was able to score a touchdown in his coverage all season long. Uh, up on rosterwatch.com, there's a, there's a detailed breakdown about the clinic that he put on uh, where he absolutely sautéed Stingley there in that game. But he's also a guy who left uh, Ole Miss because of the competition with A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf and Demarcus Lodge and Dawson Knox and, and, and everybody else. I believe he left Ole Miss at the same time that there was the Hugh Freeze stuff, so he was able to transfer to Florida without any penalty, and that's sort of how that happened. But I, I think it was probably – Probably an opportunity for him to go somewhere where he wasn't being overshadowed by, by DK and AJ Brown. And he didn't have the production, but like like I said, coach's kid, elite footwork, elite routes, good prospect. Um, I think I have KJ Hill ahead of him, though. Then we get to the Texas guys, the Devin Duvernay and Colin Johnson, who uh, Colin Johnson, a 
you know, a beast of a man at nearly six foot six. He's six foot five and three quarter, 221 pounds. Terrible production at Texas his senior year and not great production his junior year. He's failed to really ever be the alpha at Texas, despite coming in with all the ballyhoo in the world. It was, it was Devin Duvernay who came in at 5'10 and one half inch, 202 pounds with nine inch hands. Much bigger hands than Colin Johnson, eight and three quarter inches. And it just goes to show it's six foot six, 221 pounds. He's a guy that couldn't go up and get the contested catch. Out of 13 contested catch opportunities that he'd had in the year 2019, he only came down with five of them. He, Colin Johnson is also an NFL legacy. His dad's Johnny Johnson, who I believe was a safety. He was a safety at Texas and in the, and in the NFL. Um, Colin's jo- Colin Johnson's brother Kirk was another great prospect himself out of the state of California whose career was completely derailed by injury but he came into Texas with just a ton of hype he never lived up to it but he works his ass off and his work ethic is it, I mean he was a guy that would show up for drills before the 5am workouts would even start he'd have to ask for keys to the indoor facility to go work on his feet and stuff and it shows the way he moves like just go on Twitter and search Colin Johnson people, people say holy shit I can't believe a man can move like this at his size but then the ball gets in the air and he needs to hand fight these guys and the, like there were some drops man he doesn't play as physical as his size. He so basically, I just I feel like what this week showed for Colin is that one, he moves better than anybody thinks. He's a better route than anybody thinks. His footwork is great, and his initial stems off the line of scrimmage, he can he can get off press. That's the one way he can be physical. He he can get off press and and he can block. At the catch point, I think it has to do with his hands. Eight and three quarter inches. Measure your hand, dude. Spread it out. Spread it out. Like, get your pinky and your thumb as far apart as you can. Just a big, wide, spread out hand and measure from the edge of your pinky to the, to the edge of your thumb. Your hands might, might be bigger than eight and three quarter inches. We looked, man. Like, we had the podfather, dude, Matt Kelly, looked through his database back to, like, yeah, going back to, like, 2005 of players that had hands of just nearly the similar size, just under, un, under nine inches, who were close to Colin Johnson's height. And there were like, we found, we, like the queries came back with like two guys and it wasn't even as, dr- as drastic a, 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 as, you know, as drastic a ratio. It was like Terrence Williams, who was nowhere near as big as Colin Johnson and who sucks. And Brandon LaFell, who's nowhere near as big as Colin Johnson who pretty much sucks. So I'm not saying Colin Johnson sucks. I'm, just, I'm saying that the team that falls in love with him is the team that's going to fall in love with, like, they think he's a big guy with really good technical footwork, but not necessarily a dude who they fall in love with for his raw size um, and athleticism combo. Because there's not much of that on tape. There wasn't much of that at the Senior Bowl. He's a big finesse guy. Our, our comp for him is Auden Tate. I, uh, I don't know. Devin Duvernay, on the other hand, did not have the great week. Uh, it started out with a thud. I mean, like he, he dropped a pass that's so unlike Devin Duvernay to drop this pass. A guy that caught 106 balls last year out of the slot. He moved into the slot for Texas. 106 balls after playing Z his entire career and just completely flourished. Uh, the guy wears armor. After catch, he like my comp for him. My comp for him is Debo Samuel, and I think everybody's is probably Debo Samuel because with the ball in his hands. He's fast, he's physical, he looks like a running back, he's hard to bring down, he wears fucking armor. Golden Tate, kind of. That kind of player. He's going to run in the four threes because he was the Texas State champion in track. And if you haven't realized, Texas has some, 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 it's a big state with a lot of, you know, a lot of NFL players come out of here. When you're a Denzel Ward and you win the state championship in Ohio, you're going to run 4-3-something. When you're Andy Isabella, you finish second to him, you're going to run 4-3-something, right? When you're Devin DuVernay and you win it in Texas, you're going to run 4-3-something. And, this, and the speed shows up. It didn't show up much this week. Um, he had a big drop to start practices. I don't know if that got his confidence off or... Or, or what, but it didn't fire. I would not be surprised if he had a really big game, though. It's, it's, it's the kind of thing that can always happen with him. As long as we mentioning these guys that kind of stood out, James Prochet out of SMU, another guy who I've been watching since he's like been like a freshman in, in, uh, fre- a freshman in high school, 
working with a friend of roster watch coach David Robinson up there in Dallas. Uh, NFL teams are going to fall in love with him just because the the his footwork. He you know we kept on saying it like it's funny because Emmanuel Sanders is from SMU and he's like one of Coach D Robbins guys, but he reminds you a little bit of a little Emmanuel Sanders out there, except he doesn't have the ability to separate downfield. He he separates his elite separation on these on these uh, deeper dig routes and daggers and um, you know some of these curl and curl and flat or like when when he when you give him a two way go out of the slot he's real trouble for these uh for these for these for these corners especially in these one-on-one drills whenever you know i mean when when you give a guy like and here's the other thing you give a guy like Prochet a two-way go you're gonna be you're gonna be you're gonna be playing to your coverage right you're gonna be playing to your you're gonna or you're it's you're gonna be covering him to your help if that makes any sense like there's gonna be a safety so, or at least in my, shit, I, shit, I hope there is. Um, so maybe may a little bit, you know, it's a little bit easier to kind of show off in that sort of way, but Prochet was able to do everything you could imagine with, with, uh, with the opportunities that he was given. I don't think he has the long speed. Um, he, he has kind of small strides. He's only five foot 10, 196, and uh, really the shortest arms of uh, of any of these guys outside of KJ Hill, but KJ Hill for some man is I don't know how he does it, man. He makes one handed catch after one handed catch. His his hands are only nine inches big. It's just he reaches out and grabs it, and I'm like it's hard for me to believe that KJ Hill's had actually had the smallest, shortest arms of any wide receiver here. I thought it would have been Prochet for sure, but I just sorted it. It's uh, Prochet in second place, KJ Hill in in, in, in dead last. Uh, but yeah, Prochet, probably somebody like Matt was saying all week, probably going to be overdrafted just because he looks like what scouts love from a tape grinding perspective. And I, I think I might agree with that. The, the, the other guys, I mean, Juwan Jennings, he had, he from Tennessee, he's a big guy, six foot three, two Oh six. He had a big catch to start the week that I think stuck with a lot of people that sort of just fell in love with him then and looked for confirmation bias on that one play for the rest of the week and maybe got a little bit of it, I, I guess. I, uh, you know, I'm, I, I kind of try and come to every new day with a brand new, fresh set of eyeballs, and just hope that these guys can, can continue to produce. The one that really did it was Denzel Mims. I mean, I, I keep going back to him, but I mean, you, we just need to always remember Denzel Mims. Dom was was fairly dominant. I don't feel like Juwan Jennings dominated in the same way, and I, I mean, he, I, I don't put him on the same level as Michael Pittman. And just from a pure perspective of, of, of other wide receivers that I think I'm more interested in, I'm more interested in KJ Hill. I, I just, I don't know if I'm more. Uh, I'm probably more interested in Juwan. I'm more interested in Juwan Jennings than I am Colin Johnson. I think Devin Duvernay. I'm, I'm not willing to just concede the fact that just because he had a quiet senior bowl week that he's not going to be any in, any good. I, I, I think that, w- that would be foolish. So Juwan Jennings is a nice player. The guys who I don't think are going to be nice players, uh, Kalijah Lipscomb from Vanderbilt, Courtney Davis from A&M, um, uh, Tyree Cleveland from Florida, and then the Antonio Gandy-Golden from Liberty, who actually, I mean, in, in, in end zone drills yesterday, maybe Antonio Gandy-Golden has something a little bit interesting to, uh, about him. Just from his end zone prowess, the, the, like he he looked good in end zone drills on Thursday. Certainly much better than he. But, but then on, on 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 Wednesday he caught one big bomb too. Also dropped a big one. So uh, we'll have, we'll have. I took video of a bunch of these one on one reps. We'll talk about a bunch of these guys moving forward as we get ready for the combine. And if you tune in to watch us on on YouTube, I didn't do this part on YouTube since I'm doing it solo and. We're trying to get some stuff worked out with those streams, I guess. But um, I got a bunch of video for those, so I can like you know screen share it sort of on the streams. So if 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 you're not subscribed to us over on YouTube, a bunch of these podcasts will be kind of simulcasting over there, and we can give you a good look. All right, at the tight end position, it's real easy. Um, there are three that I am interested in you know and three that I thought were you know really good and you know some of these guys might be some sort of elite blocker that I just I didn't really notice as as much even though some of these guys uh their 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 blocking was ex, was exceptional um 
not in the top three, but I need to mention for the North squad, the team who the North squad linebackers and safeties said uh, they, they voted for number one was Bryson Hopkins out of Purdue. I didn't notice him all week, but uh, when your fellow teammates say that you're awesome, uh, we need to take that into consideration. So Bryson Hopkins of Purdue, somebody to maybe keep an eye on. Uh, the guys who really just popped from the eyeball standpoint, uh, st- starting out with the guy who I think is sort of number three here on the list, Stephen Sullivan from LSU, six foot five, two hundred forty-five pounds, ten and three eighths inch hands, and an eighty-five and one eighth inch wingspan. That is a fucking pterodactyl. And I, I, I don't know what happened starting on Wednesday, but it was like. His hands started looking like fucking glue fly traps with glue on them. He can't drop a thing. It's like he tries to shake the ball off his hand at the end. Like it won't even like he catches everything. And it, I said it reminds me of one of these sneaky weeks where you had a couple of couple of big names there, like the year of, of Evan Ingram and O.J. Howard, where we forgot all about Johnu Smith. And so just don't forget about Stephen Sullivan, especially if you're one of these dynasty leagues that has tight end premium. Um, you know, point and a half PPR, et cetera. Harrison Bryant out of Florida Atlantic is a guy who you're going to see mocked probably in the first two rounds of a ton of mock drafts to tight end needy teams because he was the John Mackey award winner, six foot four, three quarter pounds, uh, six foot four and three quarter inches, 242 pounds. Uh, nowhere near the wingspan or the hand size of a, a Stephen Sullivan, but, but you know, certainly uh, an imposing force as kind of like an H-back Kind of like a kind of Dawson Knoxie, really. Um, and certainly just a, a, a ton of production in, in college. But there's absolutely no doubt who the biggest beast was, maybe out of all these guys. Out of all these guys? Did he just say that? I just said it. And not only did I say that, he's from Dayton, a small school, the best small school tight end since Dallas Goddard at six foot five, 251 pounds. He's an absolute beast, and you need to know the name, Adam Troutman. Troutman.